Hello and welcome to Yesterladies. You're on your own here, Dana. <laughs> well, come on. Right? That was very scary. I'm terrified. <laughs> Thank you. Yes, welcome to Yesterladies. And this will be our first ever Halloween <laughs> episode. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, Heather, what have we chosen as our spooky topic? <laughs> well, Dana, we have chosen to uh, this week to talk about female serial killers. Dun, dun, dun. Yes, indeed. <laughs> it's a spooky list. I'm sorry. I'll stop. <laughs> I'll stop. Uh, but it is a, a rather uh, frightening list. It's gruesome. Yeah. yeah. Frightening and gruesome. So <laughs> brace yourself, reader, <laughs> listeners. <laughs> yeah. It's uh, now we were very pleased. We kind of based this, we found an article that talked about, you know, some infamous serial killers in history, uh, or infamous uh, female serial killers in history. So we're kind of, um, we chose our favorites from that list and we're kind of going to just go through a list format mm -hmm. back and forth, which should be fun because, um, we haven't researched each other's, uh, topics. So I think that, uh, this will be a nice little change of pace and maybe a little less interrupting than we usually do with each other. Which no, I no. <laughs> <laughs> no oh. less interrupting. Okay, then. <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> All right. Well, Heather, um, do you want to start or should I? Uh, I don't know. Let's see. I'll start. Okay. Do it. okay. <laughs> you start. We should have decided this before, Dana. We, we should have, but <laughs> we've right. decided it now. So go <laughs> ahead, Heather. All right. So I'm going to start us off. Um, and I have to warn you, listeners, that I deal with a lot of dead babies in my segments. So <laughs> I just knew. It's <laughs> this list. There were several uh, killers that yes. were in some way related to infants or you know, midwives or whatever. And I just, I knew that those would be the ones that Heather would go for. <laughs> they were my clear choice. Mm -hmm. And then later I thought, gosh, what does this say about me? <laughs> it's terrible. Uh, all right. So we'll meet our first, uh, unfortunately, baby killer. Mm -hmm. And her name is Amelia Dyer. So she's known as the reading baby farmer. And she's perhaps the most prolific of all British serial killers. Oh, wow. So right now the top guy has about 250 murders, but she killed probably well over uh, 300 <gasps> plus infants. That's a, a, an extremely conservative estimate. What? So Yeah. So, okay, here we go. So I have to give you a little background, which I love doing research on, um, about Victorian England and what the situation was at this time. So I have to tell you about baby farms. Now, these are terrible places, usually. Yeah, uh, it kind were, of already sounds awful. It sounds awful, yeah. right? Nobody wants a baby farm. Uh, they're usually homes where um, typically working class women would be paid to care for infants. So, okay, so far, not so bad. Just sort of like a home orphanage. Um, the problem was that children often, very often, died of disease, neglect, uh, starvation, sometimes intentionally, which oh, is gosh. the really rough part. Um, so some women and men were making money basically off of this, off of like the wholesale, just neglect of infants. Uh, so that's a baby farm. They weren't all like that. Some of them were legit, but often they were really rough places for a baby. <laughs> um, so they were really common in Victorian England, um, because unwanted pregnancies happened all the time. Like it was just 
everyone getting pregnant all the time it was it was out of control because um you know there's a lack of birth control and and options for women so um and the laws at the time had been created to try to stem this um but really all it did was remove any financial obligation from the men involved Mm -hmm. um, fathers so instead of dissuading uh pregnancies from happening it just meant that when women did get pregnant they were more desperate than they might otherwise have been so uh these desperate mothers either trying to conceal their pregnancy or the birth um you know they would it would go to any lengths so um there were all kinds of solutions solutions in quotation marks um and sometimes the mothers would just kill or abandon the infants themselves um or sometimes they would leave them out just to die of exposure Mm. in the streets um and one of the most shocking facts i read was that dead babies were so commonly found in the street or in the river or just around that it was no longer considered newsworthy like they didn't even report it because it was just like a dime a dozen and they described it as babies littering the streets of london oh that's horrifying oh my god i know so that i was reading this going oh god like this is terrible as i hold my infant daughter um (laughs) so so anyway this is the situation okay that that, um amelia dyer is operating within so uh she was sort of a midwife slash nurse she had some medical background and training but there wasn't you know formal training the way we know today um so in the 1860s she opened a confinement house so women who could no longer conceal their pregnancies needed to keep it Mm -hmm. secret would pay to stay with her and then they would usually have their babies there some of these women started asking her to smother the babies when they were born because they couldn't take care of them didn't want them and coroners at the time couldn't tell the difference between stillbirth and strangulation so Mm -hmm. they could get away with this so this was happening more and more um and then she also fostered babies for a fee. So basically the more babies you can foster or the longer you can foster them, the more money you're getting. So what she would do is keep them, but just let them starve. And to silence them, she would give them big doses of laudanum to keep oh them quiet. God. Yeah, which is horrible. So it like dulled their appetite, dulled their cries. And these base babies just wasted away. And then she would just like accept new ones. So <laughs> this is already this this is so horrifying. terrible. And this is just like the beginning. Oh my God. Yeah. So, um... So she's running this this fostering service and eventually gets caught and is jailed for six months for infant neglect. So, okay, at least there's some sort of accountability. Um, But she got away with this for years. Um, When she gets out of jail, she basically ratchets up her operation and takes it to the furthest extreme. So forget this, like, fostering babies and letting them starve and all this business. She's just wholesale adopting any infant that anyone is interested in in giving to her and she's demanding a large one-time fee for this adoption right basically okay. i'll take this baby off your hands if you give me a big chunk of change and then she would take the baby home and within hours usually kill it oh my God. and dump its body and eyewitnesses said they had seen up to six babies a day <gasps> Uh, arriving at her house and um investigators once she was finally caught had found evidence of at least 20 babies in the last two months going through her property oh my god yeah it was like horrific so um she's really it's sort of like a wholesale traffic in infants um okay so the way she murdered them is is kind of terrible too she would use white tape around their necks to strangle them and then she would dump their bodies in the river thames or bury them she moved from rental to rental Oh my probably because of this lifestyle so all of these like dead babies dead babies scattered in right these are like buried in her back gardens she, oh yeah all gosh. over the city and and turning up in the river 
Um, and that's how she was eventually caught. So someone found... Trail of dead babies. Right. right. Someone found a carpet bag floating in the River Thames, and inside there was a brown paper parcel, and when they opened it, there were two infant bodies, and they had the white tape around their necks, and they found this. And someone else had found, separately, a different infant with the same tape, and so police started to get suspicious. Now, she wasn't maybe too sharp because the parcel the wrapping paper had her address on it oh gosh <laughs> so, so they just followed it to her <laughs> residence <laughs> yeah so like maybe not super sharp and um and upon searching the property they found just so much evidence to back this up um so they were finding like stacks of adoption papers stacks of stacks of vac- vaccination papers piles of baby clothing receipts from pawning other baby clothing right and just the volume was enormous and the worst was the stench of rotting flesh, the heavy oh. stench of rotting flesh coming from um, a trunk under her bed and oh her God. pantry. So they oh you know, were finding human remains oh there. I mean, God. how terrible is this? So she admitted to these crimes fairly quickly, and they ordered a dredging of the river. And apparently oh. all these spectators came to on to watch, which is really morbid. Like, yeah. leave it to the Victorians. And when the body count hit 50 that they had found, she said, you'll know all of mine by the white tape around their neck. So oh my I read gosh. that and I was like, oh God. Oh. Uh, anyway, so I mean, this with this much evidence, obviously she's tried, convicted, and was hung at the Old Bailey um, in June of 1896. So, Yikes. Just, you know, a few years shy of the turn of the century. Yeah. And um, she was oh really only convicted of two infant deaths, the two hmm. that were found on the carpet bag, but... Um, they were obviously they, yeah they many, estimated many that it was hundreds and hundreds because they found Lord. so many bodies and those are only the ones they found you know so. what's interesting too it's like we're always coming up against this like even with the killers <laughs> but like everybody's heard of jack the ripper who was yes. about the same time yes. in london mm-hmm. um then he only killed i mean only, only it was right. all, but, it's yeah, horrible yeah. but i mean his victims i don't know less than 10 i think mm-hmm. from what i remember yes um and here's this woman who killed Hundreds, hundreds. Yes, and yes. Uh, most of us have never heard of her. I, I thought, had never heard of her. I thought the exact same thing Yikes. when I was doing this research because uh, Harold Shipman, the man who's commonly known as the most prolific serial killer, was at maybe two fifty. Wow. So she's got him beat by dozens, and you know we've wow. never heard of her. So now you have, unfortunately. Well. Well, I don't know if I can top that, <laughs> but I'm going to try with Jane Toppin. Uh-huh. <laughs> That's terrible. Uh-huh. So it was just a lame pun. Um, <laughs> you have to break up the gruesome details here. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Give it a little bit of levity. Uh, so Jane Toppin, who was actually born Honora Kelly mm-hmm. in Boston in 1857, so kind of a similar time period. Okay. Um, so she was also known as Jolly Jane. <laughs> oh. I don't think that she gave herself that title. I think that's just one of those, like you know, probably the papers were sure. like, yes. Jolly Jane, some crazy editor. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So uh, Honora was born in 1857 in Boston, as I said, to Irish immigrant parents. Uh, her mother died when she was very young, and her father was unfortunately a known alcoholic mm. and eccentric, mm. which is an interesting mm. Exactly. Yes. There was some random rumor that he had, like, sewed his eyes shut what? at one point. I don't know. Oh, that God. I couldn't back that up. But <laughs> okay. anyway, he was known around town as Kelly the Crack, as in <laughs> Crackpot. Uh, so not a great family situation. And then just a few years after her mother died, her dad left... Honora and her sister when she was only six years old at an Mm. orphan asylum and he never returned again. 
So she spent several years in the orphan asylum. And then in 1864, she was placed as an indentured servant, uh, which I didn't realize that that late in the day they were right. still doing in- indentured servants. Yes. But apparently they were. Oh, boy. This poor girl. Well, no. I mean, yeah. yeah. Uh, so she was placed as an indentured servant with a Mrs. Ann Toppin of Lowell, Massachusetts. So eventually... Although she was never officially adopted, she ended up taking the Toppins' surname and eventually, for whatever reason, also became known as Jane. Hmm. I don't know. She was sick of Honora. Uh, So, in 1885, she began training as a nurse. And I guess pretty quickly, she discovered a penchant for (laughs) using her patients as guinea guinea pigs in experiments with morphine and atrophine. Yeah. <laughs> so like you're just picturing this lady like creeping into her patient's room with like syringes. Oh and, god. And it gets worse. So she would medicate them to kind of like drift in and out of consciousness. Mm, okay. And apparently she got kind of a a thrill from this um, mm. because she would also get into bed with them. <laughs> wow. And <laughs> although we don't know whether she was actually doing any sexual acts, mm-hmm. she did later report that she got a sexual thrill mm. from this um, activity. Oh, of, creepy. <laughs> yeah. She would like, she got a thrill, she said, from from getting into bed with these patients who she would bring to, like, the brink of death. And then they would maybe, like, come back hmm. and kind of drift back and forth and then eventually die. And Whoa. she would get this, like, sexual thrill from, mm. from being close to that, I guess. So uh, she would administer this drug mixture, get into bed with them, and then hold them as they die oh my god yeah so this was all kind of her early start to her career in poisoning in 1895 she began her poisoning spree in earnest by killing her landlords (laughs) (laughs) and then by 1899 she had killed her stepsister with strychnine strychnine i'm sorry uh and then like she ended up uh, she kind of like moved around jobs. Mm. Like she hopped from a few different hospitals and then eventually ended up as like a private nurse working for clients. So um, some of these, and you can imagine why she was hopping around. Sure. Like there were, you know, she was like, oh, a couple of times for mm. like, you know, weird things. But I guess nobody had quite caught on to exactly what she was doing. Mm-hmm. Um, but as I say, in 1901, she took this private patient, this elderly man, and she ended up poisoning him and his two daughters. Oh, God. Then in the same year, she began courting the husband of her late stepsister, oh, the no. woman she had killed. She started Good like going after Lord. her husband, oh. wanting to marry him, I guess. Um, and in her pursuit of him, <laughs> so romantic, <laughs> she killed his sister. What? And then she poisoned him so that she could prove herself to him by nursing him back to health. What? Oh, my. Uh, so I guess the strategy wasn't working so great for her. <laughs> um, so oh, she took the tack of poisoning herself to try to get his sympathy but it didn't quite work, and he kicked her out. Wow. <laughs> so this guy, I guess, managed to survive. Oh, boy. <laughs> Ultimately, I guess she wanted to marry him. So she was just trying to, like, you know, get his sympathy. <laughs> uh, so bizarre. Wow. Um, so finally, um, 
in the fall of 1901 in October, she was arrested and it came about because that elderly man who she had poisoned, I guess some of the surviving family members were suspicious. Mm. They ended up, um, I think they exhumed his body and did a test and found poison in his system. And, uh, you know, the investigation ultimately led to her, to Jane. Um, so, she was arrested in the fall of 1901. By 1902, she'd confessed to 31 murders. Um, And eventually there was a trial, of course. She was um, not convicted. She was, Hmm. um, um, oh, what's the word? Not she was... Oh, appealed? Uh, no, no. Mm. I, oh, man. Oh, I've, like, boy. lost it. She was deemed not guilty oh, by okay. reason of okay. insanity. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, and she was committed for life to an insane asylum, and oh. she died there in 1938. So she lived mm-hmm. for quite a few years in this insane asylum. Oh, very creepy. Mm-hmm. Ooh. Super creepy. Yes. It was, like, deadly nurse. Yes! In the <laughs> asylum. In the oh, asylum. No. It was awful. Wow. It? Yeah. it almost creeps me out when they live longer. Like, they're in no. an institution and then you go oh god you know and like, they're probably like buried somewhere on the ground yes, yes, yes. Or, oh, that's terrifying so creepy hooray <laughs> right. well, creepy what, <laughs> what have um, you got next Evan? okay so now we're jumping to Japan okay. to meet uh, Miyuki Ishikawa and uh, she's not really a woman you want to meet but you're gonna hear all about her so uh, she piqued my interest because she was a Japanese midwife and, uh, and I, I enjoy all midwifery. things midwifery yeah, and, and birth <laughs> so uh, unfortunately Unfortunately, she is also a baby killer. Oh, so I realized that was a bad choice to do like two just baby murders. I know I couldn't, I couldn't decide. I'm like, I know she'll go for the like yes. midwife and the baby killers in this list, but I don't know. Like, will she? Because they're killing babies. <laughs> right. Like, oh god. Not that we don't all like babies, but right. like, I don't particularly like babies, especially now. Right. <laughs> Having one of my own, it's even worse to read about other people's dying. So, so okay. Uh, she was a Japanese midwife who practiced infanticide of uh, over 100 infants. So mm-hmm. what's weird is that both of these women were just such bulk numbers. Yeah. Like, you know, it's, um, I don't know if it was just easier with to infants, kill maybe, infants, yeah. you know, and so they ended up with such higher numbers. But anyway, so we will hear her story. Uh, she was born in 1897 in southern Japan, and she attended the University of Tokyo. Uh, married and became a midwife at the Kotobuki Maternity Hospital, which is um, in a, a district of Tokyo. So very modern education and sort of life path. Um, eventually, she became the director of the maternity ward. So, you know, professional and moving up in the ranks. And and I would imagine not someone you would suspect with this kind of yeah. you know, like typical life story. Um, however, abortion was not legal in Japan at the time. And poverty was rampant because they were rebuilding after World War II, and, which had really decimated the country. Um, and charity was scarce. There wasn't a lot of money to go around. So there were a lot of poor people and a lot of impoverished babies um and miyuki saw this and decided to do something about it (laughs) the wrong way (laughs) so she basically decided herself uh that the infants of poor families were better off dead than living a a life of suffering um so she just allowed them to die of neglect uh, basically and there were the estimates are between 103 and 169 infants were killed because of her this way um and People started to get suspicious. Um, in 1948, two Tokyo police officers um, accidentally discovered the remain of five remains of five infants, uh, and they were autopsied, and it showed that their death was not natural. So this mm. sort of raised the first red flags. 
um, and they started an investigation. Eventually, they arrested her, uh, her husband, and a doctor at the hospital where she worked. So she had sort of roped in other people to this scheme as well. Um, what really kind of creeped me out is that other midwives at the hospital knew about what? these deaths. Yeah, and that the local... Um, like the local officials had just kind of looked the other way. So, what? Did, well, why? And we'll get into this a little bit at the end when we talk about her sentencing. Okay. Um, but yeah, it's, it's really sort of terrible. Um, so everyone had kind of just ignored that the fact that these deaths were going on. Um, so the doctor, he was Dr. Shiro Nakayama. He was drawing up fate, fake death certificates for the children and then oh the worst of all the low life her husband was going around visiting the families of these children and demanding money from them and saying uh basically it's cheaper for them to pay him uh than raise the children themselves so we don't we don't think that these families knew that their infants had died they just thought they're alive at the hospital and they'll take care of them and we don't have to deal with it this kind of thing so they're embezzling money out of these families while also letting their children die which is horrible so um all right so there's a whole team like working together to make this happen which is just really terrible um after the, the original five corpses were found, uh, they did a citywide search. It led to 30 other infant corpses um, discovered under a temple Ooh. and uh, 40 more in a mortician's house. Ooh. So um, apparently the 40? mortician. Yeah. And I mean, that only accounts for 75. So obviously they were finding others elsewhere as well. Ooh. Oh, gosh. So um, and I think the mortician was arrested as well. He was involved in a lot of the proceedings. So anyway, it sounds like he kind of had a hand in things as well. So. Ah. Um, during her trial, um, Ishikawa argued that the parents of these children were responsible for them and that they had, um, deserted them basically at the hospital. And surprisingly, this argument, uh, got some fairly strong social support and people were saying, yeah, well, kind of, you know, she's, we kind of agree with her. And I was like, whoa. (laughs) So, um, there was an explanation that at this point, legally, Japan had very, um, lax laws on infant rights. Like infants weren't given basic human rights the way Mm. an adult would be. Mm -hmm. Um, so what she was doing was considered less illegal (laughs) than, you know, it would in say our justice system right now. Um, so murdering an infant was not the same legally yeah legally damning as murdering an adult so uh, she actually was only sentenced her and her husband were each only sentenced to eight years in jail after killing over 100 infants and they appealed and had it cut down in half (gasps) so they each only got four years after murdering dozens and dozens of babies um however this incident triggered a whole bunch of changes in the laws so it um, was seen as the principal reason that abortion was legalized um Mm. you know because it it was in response to a social issue Mm -hmm. i mean Mm -hmm. it is a legit legitimate problem that there are all these poor families and and too many babies too many babies but But, more babies than people can take care of and so um uh, abortion was legalized in 1948-49, mm. um, and it triggered um, a national examination system for midwives. <laughs> uh-huh. Okay, <laughs> so, well, that's... <laughs> like, okay, yeah. That's you know, more credibility <laughs> and standardization is probably a good thing. <laughs> but I thought, God, it takes, you know, like someone to murder 100 babies to get, like, a midwife exam. Oh <laughs> like, good grief. So, so some positive legislation came out of this and interestingly amelia dyer in england the same thing happened a lot Mm. of um like child protection laws changed after that so it takes these really huge headlining like horribly shocking baby murder cases to you know affect change the time see that don't we that Mm -hmm. like you take some horrible shocking incident or some awful thing for you know people to finally 
be like, oh, we should do something okay. about this issue yes. that's been a problem for like hundreds of years. Right. Or right. whatever. Exactly. So. Oh, wow. Yeah. So anyway, that's the end of her story. Yikes. <laughs> All these baby killers. And I promise I, no more dead babies No more me. dead babies. <laughs> no. Oh, nor me. Good. Whew. No dead babies for me. <laughs> <laughs> I wipe my brow <laughs> in relief. <laughs> we're done with the dead babies. Uh, however, oh. we're moving on to old ladies. Oh no, the old lady killer. The, the old other end of the spectrum. Killer, yep. Oh no. Uh, so from one extreme to the other. <laughs> so next I have Juana Barraza, uh, aka the old lady killer. <laughs> <laughs> Which sounds like a pickup artist. It does. <laughs> like a silver fox pickup oh, artist. No. Oh. Yeah, it does. That's awful. But that was not what she was. No, not quite. So she was born in 1957 in Mexico. And most interestingly, I think, she was a pro wrestler. <laughs> I saw that. I had like one sentence in her bio. And I went, ooh, ooh, interesting. <laughs> she was a pro wrestler, particularly interested in lucha wrestling, which is wow. the one with the masks, the like Mexican <laughs> wrestling with, you know, you go to like Cancun or whatever and they sell them on the streets. Those, of course. Those of course. very brightly colored full face mask yes. that uh, <laughs> that some wrestlers wear. Uh so she wrestled under the title of La Dama del Silencio mm-hmm. oh. which uh, was the silent lady, oh God, which is pretty creepy, really creepy to begin yes. with. <laughs> oh boy. Yeah. So I guess from what I understood, her, her, her murdering career was kind of a sideline to, I believe, I think that her like more typical, I guess, career <laughs> as a wrestler. Um, so, well, I guess she was, she was actually performing as a wrestler or working as a wrestler. She was going out and murdering all of these old ladies oh, who gosh. were all, her victims were all 60 or older and most of them lived alone. So she would, she would go and kind of pose as a government official, um, offering a chance to sign up for welfare programs. And so she would gain these poor ladies trust Mm. and then I guess, you know, build up enough of a relationship that she would come into their home, I guess. And then she would bludgeon or strangle them and then rob them. So, uh, this went on for quite some time. And of course people were aware that there was some kind of killer out there targeting old ladies Mm. um but the public and the police they especially the at first at least the police um thought that this was a man Mm. because witnesses kind of reported catching glimpses of this person who um you know you imagine she's a wrestler so she's probably pretty muscular and maybe larger than your average woman and cutting kind of a a cut figure as opposed to your average you know, lady. Um, so they thought that she, that this killer was either a man or a transvestite because there (laughs) were reports of like, you know, she's in women's clothing and like maybe a wig or whatever. So people were thinking for a while. (laughs) As a male murderer dressing up as a female. Yeah, basically. (laughs) kind of clever. (laughs) (laughs) So that's what they thought. Eventually though, the Mexico city police investigation, um, 
kind of got closer and closer. They were finding fingerprints and eventually she was arrested. And at the time that she was arrested, they found her carrying a stethoscope, pension forms and social worker ID. Mm. So she was actively going after her victims at this time. So she later claimed that she, the reason she was killing all of these old ladies was because she associated them with her mother, who was this awful woman who was an alcoholic Mm. and reportedly now I, I, I'm not sure uh, whether this was coming from Baraza herself or whether there was more independent um, evidence to back this up, but she claimed that her mother, when she was a little girl, had basically like sold her to some dude for three oh. beers. Oh, God. And then this man repeatedly raped her. Oh. She ended up having um, a child by him. Oh, and, gosh. You know, so not a happy no. backstory, wow. as I mean, tends to be the case sure. with these, yeah. with these um, murderers. Mm. Um, so this was, she said, her, her reasoning. And she said that um, these ladies, she associated them with her mother, and she thought she was doing the world a favor by Boy. by getting rid of these women. So, as I say, fingerprint evidence linked her to at least 10 murders, but she possibly killed up to 40. Whoa. She only ever admitted to one murder. Hmm. Or she has only ever admitted to one murder because she's still alive. <laughs> her trial was actually this was quite recent. Her trial was in the spring of two thousand eight. Oh wow! Uh, yeah, this I did is, not uh, realize how recent this was. Wow. Yeah. Well, yeah. She was born in nineteen fifty seven. Okay. So, yeah. Um, yeah. I like how our our episode today is spanning quite a yes. breadth of. I think our earliest is. Uh, my next one is like sixteenth century. Mm-hmm. So we're kind of going mm-hmm. from the fifteen hundreds up to yes. like right almost present day. So she was convicted on 11 separate murder counts and she was sentenced to 759 years in prison. <laughs> well, there you go. So there you go. <laughs> so even if she appeals and gets it cut in half, it's not going to help her. It's not going to help her a whole lot. Yeah. <laughs> hmm. Ooh, so the shutter, old lady shutter, killer. Shutter. Yeah, Ooh, I know. They're all so creepy. Old ladies. Ah. <laughs> All right. Well, <laughs> um, so my next killer also killed older-ish women. Oh, yeah, we're on a bit of a weird. streak we here. We are. Um, oh. It's a lot of like women on women violence, and, like know, women yeah. on baby violence. Yeah, Ooh, interesting. This is weird. Uh, all right. So my my last, my final murderess is uh, Leonardo, Leonardo Cianciulli or Cianciulli. <laughs> uh, I'm gonna go with Cianciulli. Okay. Uh, and she was known as the soap maker of Reggio. Oh, so I was. Oh. I I kind of when we were like divvying up the list, I <laughs> was very much wanting the the last. I guess yes. who we're saving for the last? This uh, Elizabeth Bathory, and I really really wanted her. So I kind of like bargain. I could tell you wanted her too, but then I was like, okay, well, I got her, so I didn't claim. This lady, because I, I was super tempted. <laughs> oh boy, was she creepy? <sighs> yes, and the details were creepier. Of course, when we started with this article, there's like little blurbs, mm-hmm. and then but then we of course, and gets, did our own worse, research, it, it gets yeah. even more morbid, yeah. and you're like, oh god, I can't wait to you know for Dana to hear these details and for our listeners. Um, all right, so she was born in 1893 in Montella, Italy. Um, and she came from a family and was herself very superstitious in fortune telling and this sort of thing was very much a part of, I think, Italian culture at the mm-hmm. time. And she really took this to heart. So, um, you know, superstition and fortunes <laughs> and this kind of thing were, were part of everyday life and were, were very credible. 
Um, so this might explain some of what happened. Okay. Um, so she grew up there and during her childhood, she received a fortune telling that said she would marry and have children, but all of her children would die. Mm. So she had this prophecy hanging over her all of her life, which is unpleasant. Um, and, uh, she was married in 1914 to a man uh, of her choice, but her parents didn't approve. They wanted her to marry someone else. Um, so, she claimed that her mother cursed them at this oh. point and uh, the young couple married anyway, but they moved away. Um, so where they moved, unfortunately their home was destroyed by an earthquake in 1930. Um, so they moved again to the town of Correggio, which is where she gets her name, the soap maker of Correggio. So bad, you know, bad luck sort of yeah. following her around. Um, she had 17 pregnancies, oh which goodness. seems excessive. Um, <laughs> I <laughs> but agree. Three, three were miscarriages. <laughs> um, unfortunately 10 of her children died very young. Whoa. And so this means that four, um, survived into adulthood. So she's had a lot of loss. Um, and you can, you know, you can see how scary that would be with this prophecy of all your children will die. Well, God, like it, you know, most of them did. Mm. Um, so there's sort of some truth there. Um, so she became fiercely protective of the four who survived naturally. So, okay. Um, I feel like you're, you're working to excuse her. (laughs) No, I'm not, I'm not at all. But I mean, you can understand up to this point, her emotions, empathy, empathy so far. Uh, okay. So her eldest son, his name was Giuseppe. Uh, he was old enough when World War II started to face conscription and she was terrified that she would lose him in the war. Probably fairly realistically. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is where she leaves. She departs. <laughs> she from departs from empathy. reasonableness. Yes. Okay. <laughs> Reason is left behind. And uh, somehow, we're not sure if she had a fortune telling or if she came up with this idea on her own or if someone suggested this. She came to firmly believe that human sacrifice would be the only thing that would save her son's life, that he could go off and he wouldn't die in the war if someone, if some other blood were shed in his stead. So, okay. So if this is what it takes to save her son, she's, she's committed, dedicated, Italian mama. So, so, okay. Um, (laughs) so what she does is she's known in her neighborhood in Correggio for being a sweet, loving motherly figure everyone loves her Uh, when she was interviewed afterwards everyone talked about how kind she was and just friendly and no one would ever suspect that she was capable of these acts um so using this this persona how everyone knows her she lured three neighbors women she knew very well like for for the whole time she'd been living there um into her home and murdered all three of these women and we'll go through them one by one so um sometimes she told fortune sometimes she acted as a matchmaker so all these women had been to see her before i mean just visiting or what have you but uh this was to be their last <gasps> visit okay so the first woman she killed her name was faustina seti and she was a lifelong uh spinster which is not a term we like here but uh she was looking for a husband and um uh, Leonardo lured her by saying, I found a man for you, but he lives in a town quite far away. So, uh, tell your family you're going away. Don't tell them why and leave letters with me saying that everything is fine. And, and I'll give it to the oh family uh, while you're away, you know, so you the post- postage. I know. And I thought, Oh, she really planned this out. Like yeah. it's very premeditated. So Faustina says, great. I'd love to meet this guy. And she writes the letters. And apparently she also left some money for Leonardo as well. Um, and Leonardo invites her over one last time before she leaves, gives her some 
drugged wine. Um, and so these women lose consciousness. And then she hacked her up with an axe. <gasps> so an actual axe murderer. Oh, my God. Oh, God. And but because she is used to butchering animals, um, knows how to do this and, like, collect all the blood. Like, <gasps> collect everything that you normally would use in cooking, which she does with her friend Faustina. Um, so she collects all the blood. And then she takes the – she hacked her into seven pieces. Oh, takes the pieces and boils them in a pot with a whole bunch of caustic soda so she had all this soda for soap making and basically boils up this woman to dissolve oh. all of it uh like skims the fat <laughs> to make soap out of her oh and then they described she i was disgusting she's describing this like dark mushy liquid substance that's left behind oh and she dumped it into like oh. a, a nearby septic system oh my <laughs> like, god. Oh, god yeah so this is horrendous um but when she had butchered this woman she saved all the blood the way you would when you're butchering like a pig or, or what have you um and she used the but she dried it out or something i don't know she prepared it and then baked it into tea cakes and then served them to her friends and neighbors oh. at social occasions oh. after the murder <laughs> <laughs> and she said, oh, they were lovely. It made it really crunchy. And they were... <laughs> Which is the worst detail of this whole thing. Like crunchy blood tea that cakes. horrifying. Oh, it's terrible. So she makes soap out of this woman's fat. She <sighs> makes tea cakes out of this woman's blood. She doesn't waste anything. And, and that's, they were joking about that, right? They were like, you know, she's a, a classic European. Italian mama. You know, mom. Doesn't waste <laughs> anything. You know, all parts are put to use. So, oh God. Okay. So that was Faustina. So that was just the first This was lady. the first, right. Oh so next God. is Francesca Soavi. Uh, this was in 1940. She was looking for a job. Um, and so Leonardo lured her by saying she knew of an opening at a distant girl's school, ran the same plot again. Her, she really had a pattern. So she said, oh. it's a ways, but leave letters with me. And when I hear from you that you're safe, I'll send them to your family. We'll save the postage. You know, don't tell them what, what you're going. Keep it a surprise. Won't it be great to surprise oh them when God. you have this job? So Francesca says, great. Um, and was killed in the exact same manner as the oh. first woman. So the drugged wine, the axe, oh. the soap, the tea cakes, right? oh. <laughs> like all of it. Oh God. So, okay. So much for her poor woman. Uh, all right. And the third victim is Virginia, uh, Capiocho, and this was also in September 1940. So these last two women were in the same month. Um, she was lured with the promise of a job that would restart her opera career. So she was an opera singer, and apparently she had sang at La Scala and was wow. hoping to sort of reignite yeah. things. Um, so Leonardo said, "Aha! I have you know connections with this like maestro, and but let's keep it a surprise. Same story, <laughs> hacks her up, but this time uh, Leonardo noticed that the fat when she was boiling or rendering this woman, uh, she said, oh, it was really creamy and white. It was nice Ooh. and thick. It was like much nicer than the other two. So she dumped in a bottle of cologne and she said that soap was like far superior to the soap that she had made oh my God. Uh, with the other women. And her and her husband really enjoyed like bathing with this Ooh. perfumed soap. <laughs> So, and she said that the tea cakes were considerably sweeter than the other ones. She, oh, she, she was very sweet. <laughs> so, yes. Uh, okay. So three of these women are not going to go missing in this community without someone getting suspicious. Mm -hmm. So the last woman, uh, Capio chose, uh, her sister-in-law was suspicious because she had last seen her going to Leonardo's house. And she said, well, that was the last place we saw her. And we didn't see her after that. So she tipped off the police mm -hmm. and the police came and investigated and they found enough evidence in the house to arrest her. Oh. So, um, apparently she didn't clean up or eat all the tea cakes fast enough. Oh. So, um, 
So Leonardo immediately confesses and wow. provides all kinds of details about what? her about her crimes. And they had the trial records, and apparently she was like not boasting necessarily, but correcting people when they got details wrong. Like, no, 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 that ladle you didn't find that because I donated that to the war effort for the medal. You know, my country needs uh, you know needs success in the war and this sort of thing. And like, oh, oh god. god. So um, she was tried for murder in 1946 and sentenced to 30 years in prison and three years in a criminal asylum. And she where she died in the asylum um, of a cerebral cerebral sorry apoplexy in 1970 so wow fairly recent which is terrifying so okay i just have to ask i don't know maybe you're getting to this but did her son die in the war uh they never said none of the research i know and i was like did it work so (laughs) we don't know if these sacrifices were worth it but yeah i know i so dear listener we leave you hanging with that however if you want to know more about her you can go to rome and you can go to the criminological museum and you can see the pot in which she boiled her victims Oh, 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 so oh, it's nice, creamy, so great, sweet tea cakes. Oh, oh, yes. Well, oh my god, <laughs> I do think we've kind of inadvertently managed to leave the two best for last, <laughs> which was wise of us yeah. without knowing it. Um, so, for our very last murderess. <laughs> of the episode. Um, I've got a woman named Elizabeth Bathory, who was a 16th century Hungarian countess mm. known as the Blood Countess, oh, which creepy. is just such a great nickname. Yes. So this lady, um, she's this nobility. She marries a nobleman who, you know, they loved each other very much. She just adored him. And, you know, they had... From what I'm seeing, they had a pretty good marriage, you know, a nice relationship, Um, except for the fact that they kind of shared a propensity for abusing young maids. Oh, God. (laughs) Yeah. Particularly Elizabeth. Mm. The Countess really took it to a whole new level. Um, She ended up kind of conscripting or hiring this, like, awful team of, like, torturers to work under her uh foremost of whom was this woman anna darvulia who was reported to be a witch at the Mm. time probably not actually a witch (laughs) go back and listen to our salem witch trial episode (laughs) um but anyway she had a reputation Mm. for being a witch um and there's kind of good reason for this because this woman was like this sadistic I was going to say, nightmare. the things she's probably doing or, you yeah. know, would lead to that conclusion. Kind of, yeah, yeah. understandable. Yeah. I, I don't blame the pitchfork the villagers, villagers yeah. in this case, maybe. Nope. <laughs> Me neither. I do not blame them one little bit. Um, interestingly, though, apparently Anna and her mistress ended up becoming lovers Ooh. eventually. Ooh. So uh, a, a close relationship these two ladies <laughs> had with each other. Um, but the Countess also hired several other people who, Boy. I guess, worked for and with her in her pursuit. Um, so the villagers who lived in the little in the little community right below the Countess's castle mm. Uh, started kind of circulating amongst themselves rumors of vanishing virgins. Hmm. So what would happen is these young girls from the village would get plum um, work Hmm. as maids in the castle. And their families would think this is great. This Hmm. is a, this is a great uh, job for my daughter to go and work in the castle and, you know, serve this noble family. 
So these girls would leave and go off to the castle and then just never return. (laughs) Um, So it turns out that the countess and her little posse were engaged in very creative methods of torture and murder so in the winter i guess these are seasonal their their pursuits in the winter they liked to take a girl out into the snow and pour cold water on her until it turned to ice oh my god and then leave her to freeze to death what yep uh in the spring they had a new (laughs) awful i know it's really awful in the spring they would take a girl and strip her naked and smear her with honey Mm. and then tie her down so that bugs would come and like eat away at her and i was wondering like i don't know whether like would bugs actually just eat I was gonna somebody say, alive, they just or eat would it? Honey or, yeah, yeah, I don't know. Aww. So whether that actually led to murder, it was just oh. a very effective form of torture. Oh, I can right. imagine it would be. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So that was another kind of big one. Oh, boy. But amongst this, they also like to shove needles under fingernails, yeah. um, sew mouths shut, what? and club girls with razor sharp weapons until they die. Oh my god. Yeah. Oh. So. Other servants were witness to these activities oh. and started rumors whether or not this was true is kind of unknown, but there were rumors that she would drink her victim's blood. Mm-hmm. And, uh, of course, that naturally started rumors that she was a vampire. Sure. Okay. Um, this is, after all, 16th century Hungary. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, right, drinking blood. And then, apparently, at a certain point, reportedly, she discovered the rejuvenating effects of bodily oh. fluids oh. and started bathing in, uh, yes. in her victims. Uh, it said oh. bodily fluids. So I don't know if that means sure. just blood or some kind of mixture or what, <laughs> but, um, she, she liked to bathe in this Ooh. stuff because she believed it, it worked very well for her skin and helped to keep mm. her beautiful for her beloved mm. husband. So unfortunately, at a certain point, her husband died young and she just completely lost it at that point. So she just, things got worse. She started Mm. just outright kidnapping girls or having them kidnapped. Um, She would have major depressive episodes where she wouldn't get out of bed. So she would have girls, young girls brought to her bed and she would like bite chunks out of their faces and flesh and then have them burned to death. Oh my God. Like, just, like, you would think that this is, like, made up, but apparently it is fairly well documented. Um, Now, some of the more sensational elements maybe have been kind of elaborated a little bit over the years, but... Um, but the, the, the facts are pretty, like, they're well documented. Many young women are still dying. Yeah, exactly. So... I guess she kind of, I don't know whether she like ran out of peasant girls from the village. She kind of started going after the daughters of more noble families. Uh, And I guess maybe this was what finally caught Mm. the attention of the authorities. Mm. Um, So it's unclear whether the the royalty and the rest of the nobility knew what was going on and Mm. were just kind of like turning a blind eye or kind of half knew what was going on. But eventually it just got so big that the king, the Hungarian king, finally decided that he had to do something. (laughs) So he sent lieutenants to go arrest her. So they arrived at the castle and reportedly found bodies about some of whom, you know, some 
people just like imprisoned and mm. you know tortured and maybe still alive but then of course they found human remains <sighs> in fireplaces and in oh shallow graves God. on the grounds and right. just all this gruesome gruesome stuff so she was imprisoned mm. and enough evidence was amassed um to convict her and her little murderous posse mm. She was convicted of 80 murders, although a legendary diary entry from the time um, brought the total up to 650. Wow. So I don't know. That seems like a pretty sensational number, but who knows? Who knows? Somewhere between 80 and 650 is plenty, I think. Wow. Yeah. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Yeah. So the reported witch, Anna, and the rest of the torturers and murderers were uh, convicted and executed and the countess um was allowed to live she was not executed oh. and i i don't know i get to, i don't know you get to this part and i'm like so spooky so <laughs> she was allowed to remain in her castle oh. um bricked up in a set what? of rooms like they erected a brick wall oh and just left God. a few small slits for ventilation and to pass food through. Oh, that is more terrifying. It's rather terrifying because you've got this, oh. this image of this yes. like horrible, murderous. you know, murderous yes. countess, like Ooh. confined up in this, in this castle on top oh. of a hill. Like it's just a gruesome, oh, wow. gruesome, That's spooky image. So she was uh, confined, solitary confinement uh, for four years until she eventually died in her sleep. Um, and then when, the authorities tried to bury her her body in the village. Mm. The villagers rioted. <laughs> I don't, don't blame them. I kind of don't. Yeah. No, yeah. And so she was reportedly moved to the Bathory family crypt in mm. eastern Hungary. Mm. Um, and that's, you know, where her remains were reputed to be until mm. oh. 1995. The site was excavated and her body was nowhere to be found. Dun, dun, dun. <gasps> That's creepy. Ooh, so creepy, right? Great oh ending. My God. I know. Oh, I, think so. I thought missing so murder, everybody. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Wow, that's terrifying. Yeah. Whoa. So that's our that's our spooky list of uh, notorious female serial killers from history. I think we've done a good job of creeping each other out. With yeah, I'm creeped out, and now it's like dark it's outside. Dark out, and now you have to go home. Oh, we're both like home alone in the dark. Oh, yeah. it's terrible. This is, we did not plan this right. We no, done this in the morning. We were yeah, we weren't thinking. Oh we weren't thinking oh at boy. all. But um, I think it's a good sign that we creeped each other out. Yeah. Hopefully that means we've yes. managed to creep yes you you out, out yes. our our lovely listeners. <laughs> um, but that is that is our list of yes. notorious female serial killers. <laughs> um, so as always, we will be posting resources along with this episode. You can find those on our website, which is yesterladies.com, or of course you can also find all of our other episodes. Um, of course, you can find us on iTunes, where we encourage you to subscribe and perhaps give us a rating and a review if you feel inclined. Uh, you can find us on whatever podcast app you like to use. You can reach to reach out to us on social media at uh, 
at Yesterladies on Twitter. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Yesterladies. You can email us at <laughs> Yesterladies at gmail.com. I th- I'm always so afraid that I'm like forgotten some method, but I think that covers <laughs> I think them all. Everything. Yeah. I think so, yeah. yeah. So once again, I've been Dana. And I'm Heather. Oh Lord, what was that? <laughs> <No>. <laughs> anyway, thanks for listening Thank and you. happy Halloween. Happy Halloween. <laughs> <laughs>